Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Filmed in Canada, the podcast about Canadian films. I'm William Lee, and I'm joined by Alexander Cairns once again. Thanks for thanks for coming over. How you doing? Great. So, are they films or movies? Are you Eddie Murphy? I don't know what's <laughs> what's uh, the the joke there in Eddie uh, Murphy in Bowfinger. Um, oh. Did you see Bowfinger? A long, long time no, ago. The only scene I remember is when he's running across the highway. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. That's, yeah, that's really good. Um, in the beginning, he's he's mad at his like his people because he, they gave him these scripts, and he's like, uh, he says something like, uh, "I would make a movie, not a film," or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, today we're talking about backcountry. Backcountry. Thanks. Uh, didn't a, didn't leave a mark, I guess. <laughs> the, I think the title just is a bit um, generic for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But it's a 2014 Canadian movie, uh, which has just hit theaters. Maybe it's available in other formats by the time you uh, listen to this podcast. So I think this is, this is a kind of a treat that we're going to talk about a new Canadian movie, perhaps one that we both like. Yeah. But uh, before we get into that, have you uh, seen anything interesting lately? I have. Um well, I've been thinking a lot about... I haven't actually watched this movie, but I've been thinking a lot about Dancer in the Dark. Hmm. I've been listening to the soundtrack like on repeat. And I, I like doing that every once in a while. For a movie I really like, just listen to the, listen to the music over and over because it kind of recreates the feeling of it. It's one of those ones I, I've mentioned, like Existence, I've mentioned to you the first time that I saw that. It didn't really have an impact on me until the very final scene. And the same with Dancer in the Dark without spoiling it, just the way that movie ends just like took it to a whole other level and and was just so devastating that... You you have seen it then? I, th- I thought... I have, I've seen it, but I didn't re-watch it. Oh, okay. So, I, so, I, so my only experience of thinking about it has been the soundtrack. Okay. In the past couple of weeks. I, I see. Okay. Yeah. That's a movie that um, I have brought up with friends as a movie I probably couldn't watch again because it is, yeah, it, it is just so emotionally draining. Yeah. It takes you... But I, I, there's something about Lars von Trier's movies that I, I do find them rewatchable, and I, I do look forward to watching it again because even though it is so draining, I find it do you, do you up, find uplifting in a, in a way. Is there a catharsis in like yeah. going through that journey with a character? Yeah, just just that, like these women, like Breaking the Waves or Melancholia. Those are the only three that I've. Well, I guess I've seen Infomaniac, but that's a different kind of through line, I guess. But um, those three. They are so devastating that, 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 yeah, they almost feel like you're getting, like you're almost getting rid of everything that's bad in the world by what, which obviously is not even close to true, but you're, you're kind of ridding yourself of a lot of negativity, I find, by experiencing mm-hmm. it so thoroughly. I think there's something to that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, I think the, uh, the counter argument to that or the counter experience for me personally, yeah. is if I see a really happy film, I'm kind of depressed because it, it sort of rubs your face in in a uh, sort of a perfect happiness that you can't have. Right. Yeah. So, um, so maybe uh, it makes sense to get some to feel some catharsis and, and then some joy yeah. out of uh, out of purging those feelings from uh, the, the negative feelings from you uh, through those movies. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything to say about Dancer in the Dark other than that you wouldn't watch it again? I think it's great. I think it's a great movie. I, I saw it in a theater, uh, in a pretty crowded theater, and uh, just the experience of it made made everyone else's presence kind of irrelevant because yeah. it was it, it's just so impactful that you're not aware of a couple hundred other people in the theater with you. You just uh, I, I just felt I was just like so seized up in emotion over that movie. Yeah, uh, but I agree. His movies are uh, are quite good. I don't I don't like all of his movies, but they're certainly all. Uh, really, um, they really leave a strong impression. I think. Yeah, yeah. You've seen the uh, YouTube videos. What is Bayhem? Um, yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony Jow or Joe or I've been watching some of his videos, and yeah. he is. Uh, I think his little Fantastic. video essays are great. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the one about Vancouver? I did. Yeah. He's yeah. A, yeah so he's from Vancouver. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's, so that was a bit of a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, yeah. That. Uh, Wh- that which for for the audience is is called Vancouver never plays itself. It's a play on words of a, a documentary called Los Angeles Plays Itself. And it's, uh, it's like 9 or 11 minutes, and he just uh, he talks about how... Um, well, his, his thesis that comes out of it is that Vancouver is appreciated 
as a backlot for uh, for American filmmakers, and the the stories about Vancouver are not going to come about unless Vancouver filmmakers do it. Yeah, and I think that's uh, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, and just that the the way that the city's captured in in other Hollywood productions doesn't bring across the character of the city because you really just see the downtown areas and. Or it's the, the very generic elements of it. Yeah, it's only it, like uh, pieces of the city are used to substitute for, for other cities. And that's why it's kind of invisible in movies, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a good video. I recommend watching that if, if you haven't checked it out already. Uh, and all of his other videos, I think, are, are really outstanding. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I haven't watched them in a while, but I've been following his, yeah. his channel for like well, six I months think, or so. I think What is Bayhem is the one that's got him the most press, and, and I think that's really um, uh, really thoughtful. But I really liked his, um, his analysis of how David Fincher shoots dialogue scenes. Yeah. yeah. I think he uh, really pays attention to um, the types of shots that filmmakers use and, and what, what makes uh, their style different. So. Oh, actually, one that I do remember is... Uh, Edgar Wright's style of comedy. Did you see that one? I didn't see that one yet. Okay, yeah, it's 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 quite good. Um, I heard an, another another podcast I listened to called Script Notes. I think I've mentioned that to you with um, a, a couple of screenwriters, John August and Craig Mazin. They took issue with it just because he was sort of putting down other comedy filmmakers hmm. because they didn't use the types of visual flourishes that that Edgar Wright does mm-hmm. because he he sort of uses. He uses the camera for a lot of the comedy in, in his in his movies, um, and so it just kind of breaks down like simple things like getting from from a city to a city. You know, the generic way of doing it is just to show a car going along a highway, whereas Edgar Wright will do something like in Hot Fuzz, where you know he's getting on the trains and and he's kind of like passing out on the bench. And so this is Simon Pegg as he's going from the from the city to the small town, just making it more interesting visually. And then um, I'm trying to think of some of the other other points that he makes but I, I did quite like that one yeah I'll be sure to watch that yeah yep. the Vancouver Film Festival is coming up mm-hmm. yeah I had uh, terrible luck I would say watching Canadian movies at the festival last year so yeah I, I I think I saw one last year and I don't remember the title so I will um, I'll make a better effort I saw like a good four or five and yeah. do not remember being impressed by the, the yeah the the thing is um, at the film festival there is a lot of Canadian content, but my my habit tends to be if I catch one or two of them, it kind of puts me off of watching Canadian movies for the rest of the festival, <laughs> or possibly the year. Or... Yeah, and and that's you know that that experience is one of the reasons uh, that fed into uh, wanting to do this podcast uh, to to examine Canadian films to see yeah. why we have that kind of reaction to Canadian films. Yeah, and uh, and and like um, Tony Tony Zhao Zhao's. <laughs> Yeah, his uh, his video Whoa. essays, um, um, his uh, his theory that um, it won't be mainstream directors, mainstream filmmakers from uh, Hollywood making Canadian stories. It'll be Canadians making Canadian stories. So that's uh, you know that's the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, and uh, hopefully, hopefully that's part of uh, the reason why you're doing it with me, and why listeners might be uh, downloading our our podcasts. Everyone's making their efforts, but like some of the stuff I saw last year just was not good. But we'll, you know, we'll see it and we'll mm-hmm. talk about it. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. We saw Backcountry recently and it, it, did it have a one week or two week run in the theater here? It was at least two weeks. Okay. Because I think I saw it and then I think you were gone for about two weeks. And then you told me about it and then I said, uh, if it's playing next week, I'd go see it. And so I saw it on the final night. Yeah. Um, and there was, there's maybe five people in the theater on, yeah. at the screening I went to. But I'm glad I saw it. I'm yeah. glad I caught it in the theater. So thanks for um, putting me onto it. I assume that means you liked it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you saying that you're glad you saw it, I'm assuming means you liked it as yeah, well. Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. It was, what did you, what were you anticipating when you went into it? Uh, well, I saw the trailer mm, and, okay. um, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting much. Just that I knew that a couple people were going to go into the forest and get hunted by a black bear or a grizzly. Is no. I think, I think it's not obvious what kind of bear it is. I think it's a black bear because they're in Ontario. Yeah, and I don't okay. believe. I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm not a fucking ecologist. <laughs> get <laughs> off my back. Um. So yeah, I don't. I don't, wasn't really expecting much. I just it was a Canadian movie. Um, I hadn't heard anything about it until it showed up and I saw the posters and you said you were going to go see it. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if it had um, 
had any traction on the festival circuit or whatever. But yeah, I I did I did look it up and it looked like there were a couple like horror blogs from the from the U.S. that were talking about it. So it def- mm-hmm. I think it might have been like uh, it was a fantastic fest. I think it played. Uh, so it did it did make it to a few festivals anyway. Yeah. Um, I did originally come across it on that um, that first weekend club. So I saw it in their newsletter. And then just completely forgot about it. I didn't read a, I didn't read the blurb or anything. It didn't like the poster at that point didn't catch my interest. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as I saw it at the Cineplex, and I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, this, this looks pretty good. Yeah, let's back up for a second. So if if uh, viewers have listeners haven't uh, looked up the poster or whatever else uh, there is, this is uh, it's a movie about a couple that goes camping in Ontario, and uh, they get lost, and um, it's it's a survival tale, and the cast is pretty slim. Yeah, uh, and have you heard of any of the uh, main cast before? Uh, Missy Peregrim plays Jen, and Jeff Roop plays uh, Alex, and Eric Belfour plays Brad. I haven't heard any of them. I, I knew Eric Balfour. Okay. Yeah, so um, I've seen him in a few things. I saw him in uh, Six Feet Under. He plays the, one of the main character, Claire. He plays her boyfriend for a time. And uh, there, there's uh, an extended section of the show dedicated to there. If you know Six Feet Under, I watched the first season. Yeah, so someone dies at the end of every ep- or at the beginning of every episode, mm-hmm. and that sort of kicks off the the plot for that episode. So in one of them, this like six year old kid is is playing in his in his parents' bedroom with a gun, ends up shooting himself. That ends up being Eric Balfour's little brother. Oh, okay. And so that took place over over a segment of the show and mm-hmm. there was a point where he was like i don't know if he yeah he was he was he would dip his his joints in formaldehyde that he stole from the funeral home and like these kids were getting high on formaldehyde and it got way out of hand mm-hmm. okay um yeah so i knew him um adam mcdonald who was the writer director again not a name that i'm familiar with adam mcdonald yeah so i did look him up as well and i think he's um writing and directing on on a television show or no sorry sorry he's an actor so yeah he's acting on rookie blue really yeah Yeah. all right well good for you adam mcdonald thanks for this movie (laughs) (laughs) good on you yeah um what did the movie remind you of or did it remind you of other movies did this movie remind you of other movies i can think of like um, jaws i guess that's a good one yeah that's a good one um i I was also thinking of like the Blur Witch Project yeah. or Frozen, not the Disney movie, but the the movie about where they're uh, stuck skiers. on the yeah. they're stuck on the chairlift. On the, yeah. on the chairlift, yeah. Have um, you seen Frozen? I've seen both versions of Frozen. <laughs> and um, Frozen brackets, whatever year it was made. Yeah, the 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 ski lift one. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. And um, the Liam Neeson wolf fighting movie. Uh, the man. gray, the gray, yeah. yeah. Or the Edge, which is um, I think I think it should be heretofore known as the Liam Neeson Wolf Fighting movie, yeah. and not the Gray, because <laughs> it's a really bland name. It is, yeah. Um, Liam Neeson in the Wolf Fighter. <laughs> uh, did it? Uh, did it remind you of any other kind of movies? Um, uh, I, I bring it up only in. I only I ask that just to say, like, is it? Uh, do, you, do you think this is like an, an original type of movie, or does oh. it uh, draw from other? An existing so, genre. Well, I th- I, I, in a way, it's almost it's almost like a slasher movie. Yeah. Especially like specifically in the in the in regards to the cinematography, mm-hmm. and even just how it uses some of the early character interactions to kind of just set up a sense of dread and yeah. uncertainty, even though those like those characters aren't controlling the bear and making no. it attack them. <laughs> like they they have no influence on on the ultimate yeah. end end of the movie but yeah there's just creates um, a mood i think there's some music cues that um um give that sense of of suspense and horror yeah there's some camera angles where it really feels like something you don't know what it is is stalking the characters yeah so i think comparing it to a horror movie is really uh, appropriate yeah to, as it's yeah i can sort of imagine what you're saying i'm assuming it's a steady cam shot where the camera's kind of drifting through the forest like maybe 10 feet behind them or whatever yeah yeah yeah. So, but actually, speaking of music cues, one thing that it did remind me of was um, "You're Next." Oh. Oddly, because when they're driving in the car, it the same song plays on the radio that was playing on a loop in the in the house 
from the beginning of the movie in your next we talked about it last time is that the song yeah, it's the same song yeah really yeah it goes like oh. dun, 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 dun. i have to check this out yeah it's the um, same song okay it's, and when and it comes on it's it's um it's a very um it's a very fun moment because it's yeah. unexpected when that when the when the song comes on yeah yeah and um yeah i don't know for just from the opening of the movie i kind of i, I got the sense that that this guy had seen your next and was to an extent kind of going what they were going for just without the comedy i guess hmm. it felt or at least it just it just felt like this was someone who was excited about making his movie and 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 that really came across and i i, I mean that's that's sort of the sense i get from adam adam wingard and simon barrett like they're just they're they're very passionate about making a good movie and so maybe that's all the connection that i that i got from it but it just it felt for whatever reason, I just thought of those two guys hmm. when okay. I was watching Backcountry. Um, I also thought of The Descent. Yeah. Um, which was, um, I forget the name of the director, but it's, it's a UK movie. Yeah, anyway, but it, it was, uh, it's one of the best horror movies of like the last um, some years, right? It, it was, I think it was in the early 2000s it came out. Yeah. Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall, thank you. And yeah. uh, the the sense of like it's it's one thing um, like a, an outdoors adventure movie, and there's enough tension in the experience of this outdoors adventure that it, it almost uh, sustains the first good portion of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it didn't. It wouldn't matter if the extra element of like something of a, of another of another entity stalking them was in there or not. There's already a solid suspense sus- suspense movie or or adventure movie in there. And to have this other element, I think it's just, uh, it makes it even better. It just yeah. puts it over. Yeah, because um, I guess in the trailer for for Backcountry, you know that they're going to get stalked by a bear. Yeah, but, I think it becomes but a the selling de- point. But, but the descent, I believe, that's not given away, what the, the sort of midpoint I don't remember the trailer. Is. I don't remember the trailer for the descent, so I wouldn't be able I, to speak to that. I don't, I don't believe, I, I'm pretty sure I remember watching the trailer, and I don't believe it was in there, so. Okay. That and and speaking of spoilers, like that's definitely one instance where I can definitely be on board with not wanting to tell someone what happens in the movie because right. that's ridiculous. <laughs> like it's yeah, just, it's it's a movie that. Uh, well, I think it's, it's probably a movie that not everyone has discovered, yeah. and for those who haven't discovered it, um, yeah, you don't want to you want to tell them too much at I all. I just yeah. had no clue that was coming. Yeah. So. yeah, so I think it's obvious that we like uh, Backcountry and we totally recommend it um, because it's new. I don't know what kind of formats it's going to be on in the states or or elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I don't. I didn't get the sense that it got a release in the states. Mm, yeah, um, but it, it might have been on the festival. It was on the the festival circuit. Might still be at festivals. We give it a recommendation, and I think we're going to talk about more uh, specific plot points and stuff as we go on, go further into this conversation. Um, so uh, continue listening. Uh, we're happy that you are listening. Um, but you also might want to uh, pause it at this point and rejoin us later. Oh, so the book is on iTunes because I guess it's based on a true story. But mm-hmm. um, I'm sure it'll show up at some point. And actually, that first weekend club, they have a streaming rental service now oh, called okay. Canada Screens, I think it is. There's a bunch of Cronenberg stuff on there, but I'm sure it'll, it'll show up on one of those streaming platforms at some point, yep. I would assume. Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, characterization of Alex. So he's the um, the boyfriend who plans this camping trip, and uh, he he starts out very confident about the trip. Um, he's excited because he wants to uh, he wants to take Jen to this lake that uh, this secluded lake, and then gradually his um, his proficiency as like an outdoorsman is whittled away and it's, it's sort of um the, the structure of horror movies where you have the the final female um who, uh, who has to face the uh, uh the killer uh, yeah. who becomes the lone survivor but because i i wasn't really putting it into the um category of a horror film yet i was surprised that the movie was carefully um emasculating alex right did you uh, you notice this too right yeah for sure yeah um and yet even like like he's he's just so overly confident like in the sense that like he doesn't bring a map and just stuff like that where like and 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 he makes it seem like he was there he was there at this lake like last week and then by the time that they're lost he's like yeah you know it was like when i was a kid it was always it was right here like i don't know what happened <laughs> like he just he's he's trying to present himself in a way that that he just cannot actually follow through on because yeah. he's not 
Yeah. He's not really that capable. And he, when he notices things, like when he finds the paw print in the in the mud, uh, he keeps it to himself because he's trying to protect his um, his control of the situation. Right. And when he, when we eventually have the couple um, faced with the bear, I was I was almost uh, like enraged that he wasn't taking action. Yeah, yeah. Um, that he was that he was obviously petrified. He couldn't he couldn't deal with the situation until it was too late. Yeah. 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 No. And, and like, he just, he, he thinks that he knows everything by just being able to like yell at it and tell it to go away and that's going to solve everything. And then when it doesn't, he he has no idea what to do. And I mean, obviously like to an extent, there's not much you can do if a bear is going to get into your tent and and kill you. But but I I think, I think um, that some sort of action, like, like making noise and yelling at it. That's something you do when, you know, when the bear is like 50 yards away. Right? Yeah. But he doesn't do that. And yeah. that, I found that very, as a viewer, as somebody who Yeah, they're just sitting stuff, in the tent was, and waiting for it to come. It's order. frustrating yeah. to watch yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And I, so um, I guess that's, you know, that's part of what that, what makes up that character is he doesn't know how to handle these situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I th- to an extent, I guess, like, th- I guess that's, that's what one of the, one of the, um, positive attributes of the movie is that you know it's 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 well written enough that his characterization is it's consistent it, with who his character is well it's, but so it's consistent but it's also um complex i guess because because he's he's not telling her about the paw print because he wants to pretend that it's this idyllic hike that they're having or whatever but he's also doing it because he doesn't want to you know, send her off into a, a panic. Mm-hmm. So there, there are, there are subtleties to, yeah. to his decisions, but at the same time, he is, he's consistently moving in the wrong direction, I guess yeah. is how you could say it. Yeah. But, but you're right. He is like complex enough. He remains uh, a sympathetic character. Um, even though you wouldn't want to go camping with him, um, you kind of understand his motivations. You, you, you almost want him to get out of the situation, um, successfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, watching it, um, in the uh, sort of in the context of the summer, I think it's notable how a lot of action movies are designed to um, to demonstrate how women are capable in these situations. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this this was made in 2014, and so uh, you know I don't think it was you wouldn't you wouldn't say it's directly influenced by uh, the current crop of blockbusters. But there is something in the air, I guess, because we have um, um, we have. Uh, Charlize Theron's character in in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, we have um, Rebecca Ferguson's character in uh, Mission Impossible: Rogue yeah. Nation. If you want to go back to Frozen, the Disney Frozen, uh, <laughs> we have uh, again uh, a story where where women you know prove that they are very capable and uh, and men are kind of silly. Mm-hmm. So um, and that actually that that brings my mind back to your next as well. Um, just because point. of um, what do you remember the the actress act. The, I I I'd make a point not to say actress, but the actor's name, the female actor's name. <laughs> the the Australian yeah. girl. I don't remember her name. Yeah. No. But she was great. Yes. And yeah. and that movie definitely plays with the idea of the final girl or mm-hmm. um Char Sharni Vincent is uh the the actor in your next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were saying the how you didn't think it was a horror movie for a while. And I guess I, I kind of got the sense that he was, like I said, be, with the character interactions mm-hmm. with um, the park ranger and mm-hmm. the, uh, the other guy, Brad, Eric Balfour's character. Um, he, I, I felt like he was kind of, he was wanting to create that, that mood of, you know, going into the, into the backwoods or whatever, like or something like, um, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, or just that, or or like in Cabin in the Woods when they show up at the gas station, and mm-hmm. obviously that's drawing on other horror movies where they show up at the gas station. I'm thinking Deliverance, even though I haven't seen it. But yeah, I I agree that there's uh, early on that we had, we get those elements um, that kind of build the dread. Yeah, um, I guess it wasn't until we have the encounter with the bear and Jen's um, her, her her fight for survival yeah. um, that really became evident that we were in the situation with like uh, the with the last female and uh, and and the the unstoppable killer essentially yeah. um, I think that's when it really um, became obvious what uh, what style of movie this was yeah um, the, the the scene with Eric Balfour I'd like to talk about just because mm-hmm. I don't I don't quite think that it works okay. Um, 
just because if if it is trying to be this horror movie kind of creepy interaction, I just didn't feel like his character was creepy enough. And like it just seemed like you know, you're bound to run across someone on a hiking trail and and you know, you can believe his story it's f- sure enough that you know, he's a he he's a tour guide or whatever and and so there like it didn't see like he wasn't sinister in any way. And yet, like, you know, as he's walking off, he comes back. He's like, what was the misunderstanding? What was the misunderstanding? And he's got the uh, Irish accent for no reason because he's definitely American. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe what are your thoughts on that scene? I think that scene is there to further tear apart the idea of, of Alex as, uh, the, as, the, as the capable outdoorsman and to, and to break down his... Uh, his uh, sense of being the alpha male, or something. right? Yeah, um, I think it it's there to uh, to trigger his insecurities and to trigger his uh, jealousy. Yeah, and I, I think for the audience, it's it's the first um, it's the first physical sign. Um, well, maybe the second physical sign that there might be another presence in the woods that is um, acting against them. Sure, and uh, you know, it turns out to be kind of a red herring. Yeah. But uh, I think that's why it's there. It's just to, I think it's to build suspense and to uh, and to um, tear down Alex as a uh, as the alpha male. Right. Yeah. And maybe maybe because I had seen the trailer and and because the bear is so prominent on the poster and everything, like you know that that's where it's going. So why have the red herring? Like if it is something like the descent or or you know what I mean? Like where where it makes sense that that the audience doesn't know where the where the movie's going, where the story's going, then yeah have this have this interaction where you think oh maybe this guy's gonna gonna stalk them and and Mm -hmm. try and kill them Mm -hmm. but it doesn't go there but but i i'm just thinking now um it does as well not not just in the sense of him being an outdoorsman it also i almost i almost get the sense that he's not or he's 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 sexually threatened by brad yes more so than physically like he's he's not really he's not upset that this guy's just there and he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't perceive him to be a threat that he's going to attack them. Mm -hmm. He perceives, you know, he sees this, he walks back from getting wood and sees this, this man talking to his, his woman and, and he's, he's threatened in that, in that way sexually. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, Do you think there is something to it that he's trying to get wood when he comes back to the (laughs) camp and, and has uh, Brad there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe you can elaborate there. Well, the, just because you said it that way, it was, it was like, I thought it almost sounded like that's. Um, um, oh, like he had he had his his idea of how his night was going to go in the in the in the tent or whatever. And well, he he's he's planned a romantic weekend, right? He thinks he has, yeah. yeah. And he's he's doing all these things, uh, chopping firewood, all that, because there are activities um, in the woods that establish you as as uh, the leader as the man right? yeah yeah and so that's compromised because of brad's presence and brad brings food yeah uh which um uh which which further uh, emasculates uh, alex right you're, i think you're right that it is it, it's, it's a scene that that's there to um to challenge his um his sexual um Dominance, dominance, yeah. yeah, and and also his physical, his physical uh, dominance, right? But yeah, I, I don't know. I guess just something to do. Like I think maybe if if Brad's character was a bit wackier and a bit more sort of eccentric, mm-hmm. I it, it it just tonally it it felt it felt off to me. Hmm. Okay, and and same with the, with the scene with Nicholas Campbell, the park ranger, when he's getting the map as well. Like I just felt like that it would have been more fun if it was just a bit more sinister and like he, he was like, Oh, you better not go there. And like, of course they had, he did say that the, that the trail was closed or whatever, but just like when he said the trail was closed, if he like, if it like, you know, zoomed in on his head, it, like just something, some weird horror movie thing. It would have been more seems, fun. Wouldn't that be a bit uh, overdone though? Yeah. But like if it was done just right, mm-hmm. it would have been okay. just a, like that much better. I didn't have a problem with the way it was done because yeah. I think it was, um, it offered these things as possibilities of what, what, of what was to come, but that's uh, that's not where the movie lies. So. Right. Um, what do you think then of the bear as the key threat of the movie? Uh, and I, I should say the key physical threat um, that 
that's in the movie. There's there's other problems that the couple encounters um, because of their own doing. But yeah. but the bear is uh, is like the most um, obvious uh, antagonist to them. Right? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was just the way it's all done. That, that's why I say Jaws because it really like he like he doesn't use the bear that often, mm-hmm. and it just starts creeping up on you ever yeah. and and each scene gets progressively more um more threatening and yeah. yeah i thought it was really well done yeah i thought uh i thought it was really scary when the when the yeah. bear attacked the tent oh my god yeah. and like just the the gore yeah I, I like i was literally mouth agape just like what the fuck is going on right now like this dude's yeah. getting ripped apart by it a was, bear it's a it's a scary scene and and it was and like it's there's it's, it's like kind of shaky cam yeah and like usually that kind of throws me off and they're just, it's like oh they're just trying to hide the they're just trying the to hide the fact that they don't yeah. have good special effects or whatever but then they have a full body shot of him just getting completely torn apart and yeah. and like that was really well done so they so they didn't cheap out on the special effects at all now um this is only because of my conditioning about movies and and when i say that i, I you know, obviously because we're exposed to so much hollywood movies yeah right? I wish that there was a final confrontation between uh, between Jen and the bear. That's what I felt was missing to uh, to really complete the story. Yeah, um, where she you, where she, where they're like both standing on two cliffs, and she's like, "No, yeah, she's you, you know, get away from go, me." Now it's personal. We're gonna we're gonna finish <laughs> this or something. Right? And it's it also I'm you know we're or just, just or just like go home and it like walks away and it's just like yeah you know that she won yeah it sounds a little silly that uh that we're saying this right because um it, supposedly it's based on a true story and i think if you and i encountered a bear in the woods um the proper conclusion would be just if we can get distance from it um just run to your canoe and yeah get just, back to your car yeah. yeah we wouldn't be looking for a final confrontation with the bear yeah but in this movie i just felt like there had to be uh, i was wanting some sort of um, final fight or yeah. or some kind of a conflict, some kind of a problem that she had to overcome to to really to really prove that she is uh, capable of surviving yeah yeah and I think the I think the waterfall sequence comes close mm. and I, I just wish that it had been a bit more because there uh, there is a setup of uh, of uh, do you remember which is the route down from the waterfall and if if that had played more prominently on the right or the left or whatever yeah yeah i didn't actually remember by the time it got to that scene yeah uh and if they had seen the waterfall earlier but she was afraid to go down right. that, that that would be a thing that she could uh, another obstacle that she could overcome yeah but i, I just felt that they, that like from the bear attack there's um sort of a long segment where she is uh you know just trying to get away yeah. very slowly and she's weak at that point, but it. I guess I was waiting for her to uh, to get her second wind and right. like do something. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a minor quibble, and that only comes from the fact that I watch a lot of Hollywood movies. Yeah, right. yeah. But um, it didn't bother you. No. Okay. Yeah. Um. Did you notice that the forest changed? Yes. Yeah. I noticed that at one point, and I, I'm not sure if there's more. But you, definitely when the waterfall scene comes on, she's in like Douglas fir, Western Hemlock Forest. Like she's in Squamish basically because I looked it up and they filmed it in Squamish. Yeah. And the rest of the movie's filmed in in like sort of southeastern Ontario. Yeah. The um the the early part of the movie, the the type of trees and the it's way all birch. Yeah, the way that they're kind of spread out on the on the uh, landscape is it looks very of the same area. Yeah, and I think after the waterfall, it does see, it does look like a different um, environment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I think I think I think the only thing that I could think of was that specifically they wanted a scene with a waterfall. And to my mind, in any of the hiking and camping that I've done in Ontario, growing up there, there aren't really any waterfalls. So. Hmm. That's really the only thing I could think of. Wow. But take that tourism Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> the I guess the other aspect of it that we've kind of addressed but not really is, is the acting, mm-hmm. which I thought was was excellent. I do too. Yeah. And specifically just thinking of um like I knew that he wanted to propose to her and that was the whole point of this trip. But it was never stated. Mm-hmm. Like he never, he never pulled a ring out of his pocket mm-hmm. as they were 
you know, unpacking their bags from the car or whatever. Like they didn't make it obvious, but I could just tell from the way that he was composing himself and the way that he was wanting it to be such an important event and just the way that his acting came across. Yep. Uh, again, his his being Jeff Roop playing Alex. Um, yeah, I just, I, I knew that like as soon as it got to that moment and she was like, why did you make us come here anyway? He's like, I wanted to propose to you. Yeah, you've already figured it out yeah. from his, his, way, his body language and everything else. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a good point. I also... Uh, I also thought, um, like, you know that Jen doesn't want to be on the trip. Yeah. Before she says, before she has that scene where she, she, um, where she bursts out and says, like, you know, this was your stupid idea and all that. Yeah. You know that she doesn't want to be on the trip. And I think yeah. that, that really comes across in the acting. So. And that confrontation, I thought, was really just, just very finely executed as well. Like, it didn't, it didn't go too far in the, in the, to the, in the direction of, well, you know, like, let's just break up because you know they're on a hiking trip like what the fuck are they going to do they have to get home together they have no choice but to work this situation out so it sort of gets to that point where it's like you know this is it and then he says i was going to propose to you and then they have to figure out how to get their emotions back in in check so that they can survive Mm -hmm. and I i feel like that that arc within that scene comes across really well both in the acting and the writing yeah i hate I hate describing performances as natural because um, you know there's not. I don't think people are really natural when they're acting. No. But I, I guess I, I I'm trying to say like I just I believe that these were real characters yeah. and they were they were reacting to each other and their situation in 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 a way that I understood and sympathize with. Yeah. You know? yeah. So the the this is something that I'm just wondering if you if you have any if you can think of any other examples of when they get to the top of the hill and they're about to, and he's like going to show her the lake or whatever. And then the lake's not there. It's just forest everywhere. The, 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 the cue on the soundtrack is kind of this, this low rumbling, just like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like when it cuts to the, the open expanse of the forest rather than the lake, Mm -hmm. it kind of has this low rumbling and it, and it made me think of the guest, which obviously it wouldn't have been a reference point at that time because they both would have come out at the same time or whatever. Hmm. But when, when the guest opens, um, what's his nuts? The British guy, Matthew from Downton Abbey. Yeah. He's running along that trail mm-hmm. and then it just very abruptly cuts to the title and it says the guest and it's kind of like, boom, it was the same kind of sound. And I'm just wondering uh-huh. if you can think of any other, like if that's a, if that's a common reference in, in horror movies. Oh. I don't know that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I've I've noticed that kind of um, I've noticed that music cue before. Yeah. But not really. Um, not wondering if it was um, if it all originated from from one uh, instance. So. Yeah, and maybe if hmm. you can cut out my attempt at making that sound and <laughs> <laughs> or if, edit, I, could, edit if I could find it, I'll insert it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one thing that kind of bothered me was the very final shot where she's like crawling her way up the rocky beach and Irish dude is running toward her and it like ends with this very low angle and her her hand is prominently displaying her wedding ring. I just thought that was a bit too much. Hmm. Like it was just too symbolic of what she's lost and then there's this other man running toward her and maybe what she might find like it just seemed too obvious i didn't i didn't like it i'm not sure if i interpreted that scene the same way like it, her hand was just so deliberately placed in the frame i think i remember and that. pointing yeah. up toward the dude and 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 the ring was like glistening i remember seeing the ring featured prominently yeah. i i'm not sure if she was reacting to uh to brad necessarily yeah i i don't know if there's anything to like they're not like obviously you can't indicate with just one shot that like you know they're gonna have a live happily ever after or whatever but just more so just the placement of the ring and like that as a, as an image okay. just was kind of off-putting to me i didn't oh. yeah all right it just seemed too obvious as as a demonstration of this this guy that's died i don't know right but you wanted more but you wanted more creepiness from those supporting characters yes <laughs> okay like it just—it seemed kind of cheesy. Okay, I guess I read the scene differently from you. Yeah, yeah but all right. Um, 
I think in general it was really well shot and and especially the bear attack scene I thought I like I said just how it it uses the shaky cam and kind of jump cuts and and um certain things to maybe hide the fact that they're using a fake bear head but then cuts to the big shot of it actually like destroying this guy and um and the the waterfall scene when she falls is kind of shot a similar way where it kind of cuts to black and and um you you i think when you hear her leg snapping it's actually over black mm, maybe it was um very pronounced yeah the, uh, the sound effect but yeah i thought that was all really well well edited well put together yeah she figures out how to make a splint though really quickly oh man <laughs> <laughs> i uh i had a knee injury when i was like 14 and just anything to do with legs like really bothers me and when she did that i was just like really like makes me nauseous just uh, hearing her leg oh, snap yeah. together when um when alex is um, picking at his toe that's been bleeding all day yeah when he took a oh, sock off that one and peels the nail off yeah that yeah. one made me oh. uh, that w- i was really kind of uh, squirming a lot yeah <laughs> And the, and like like a, yeah like I was saying with the special effects like that's you you see it happen so like there it, yeah like just all, all of that was really yeah was really well done when the when there's like bloodletting um, during the bear attack I it happens very surprisingly and I was uh, I just almost jumped out of my seat when yeah. when, uh, when Alex uh, gets bitten in the leg and so yeah I think the gore is really effective in this movie. oh yeah, yeah. and not in a cheesy way or anything it's just yeah no. it just it, it really amps up the level of excitement in the movie. I get, I get the sense that that is going to be one of our what makes it Canadians. The, um, the gore effects. The extent yeah. of the gore, yeah. Mm. Like they go all out with it, just yeah. just like in uh, Ginger Snaps. Because mm. I feel, I feel like if this was if this was an American-made movie, it would have. I don't know. I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking of Into the Wild. <laughs> oh, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Oh, you haven't seen Okay, no. but it's like... Into the Wild is the one... Sean Penn directed Sean Penn. Okay, so it's um, not, not Wild. Emil Hirsch. Yeah, I know which one that is. Yeah, but I just feel like... I just feel like um, there wouldn't be the horror element to it, I don't think. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be as much of a genre movie. It would more so just be like they're just running away from the bear a lot of the time and mm-hmm. not getting their limbs yeah. chopped off. I, um, I, obviously, I could be wrong about that, but I, I just get this. Maybe because... Um, this is just um, throwing something out there that could make any sense, no sense at all. But because you know, it's a it's a Canadian movie working on a smaller budget. Like if it was a Hollywood production, they would have a, a much larger budget, and therefore just more people poking their heads in and and wanting to you know what what we got to think about the audience for this thing, and like they want to they want everyone to see it. I think when when there's more money spent on a movie, there's there's more need to recover the money so yeah having an r rating is um is restrictive yeah right i i think the movie doesn't doesn't succeed without that no it doesn't without that single i'm just thinking specifically of that shot of 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 just his body completely maimed like it yeah it doesn't shy away from uh from the gore that um you would expect to see you would that you'd be afraid to see yeah maybe is what it comes down to you would be afraid to see a man reduced to um bear chow yeah, yeah, and but this movie goes ahead and does that. Yeah, and um, I wasn't expecting it at all. No, me neither. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't know if it's released in the states yet, but no. uh, I mean, it has. To, it would be at least an R rating because of because uh, oh, of the yeah. gore, and because they because they swear because they yeah. they very openly swear. Yeah. Um, and I think that that those are kind of elements that we say are are very comfortably incorporated into Canadian movies. Yeah. yeah. And when there's an, I'm just thinking of like a shitty action movie. Um, that I saw, unfortunately, recently, um, <laughs> Expendables three. <laughs> why? Why? I can't explain why. Because 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 I was I was I. That's another conversation about how about why I, I watched it. I'm hopeful that it would be something, but it's not. But there is you know there's so much there's so much um, violence and murder in that movie, and there is there's almost no blood. It's PG, is it PG thirteen? I think it's a PG thirteen yeah. movie. Yeah, because yeah, because those movies are there's so much money spent on it. They have to recover it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I'm glad that this one is uh, it. It's a good, solid action movie. Yeah, adventure movie, horror movie. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah.
We've already uh, touched on it a little bit, but what else makes us Canadian? We've we've identified uh, the gore, mm -hmm. um, the, um, the the casual swearing. So I, I guess we we brought this up in um, Ginger Snaps mm -hmm. that you know reusing a character in multiple scenes, but you had also said that that actor was well known from his television work. Oh, and yeah. so do we? Can I guess like. Well, I was gonna independent. I would think that that's more a characteristic of independent movies in general, but it could it could be something that that happens more frequently in Canadian independent movies than American. I don't know. So, I think but, there's a budget restriction. So I think you see a lot of actors get reused. I, yeah. I think that's why I mentioned it when we talked about Ginger Snaps. Yeah, but, but I'm just thinking of Nicholas Campbell's character. Do we yeah. consider that a Canadian element of the movie? I would because yeah. I think it's um, it's it's um, recognizable face on Canadian TV. It makes a cameo, right? Yeah, because because. It seems to me like Canadian movies, typically they won't be able to afford stars that you recognize. Right. But they will have a supporting character show up um, that you do recognize. It'll be someone from TV because they're not that expensive, right? They're yeah. not a movie star. They're not, um, it's not like Jim Carrey making a cameo. Or it like is Gene Hackman. Is Gene Hackman Canadian? No, I'm just thinking of, of like, so who, who would be the Hollywood equivalent of Nicholas Campbell? Oh, okay. For that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I see. What I mean is, you like if you if you think of um, okay, you know Hollywood actors or Canadian actors. Um, I don't know why I thought of Gene Hackman. <laughs> why Gene Hackman? Who would it be? Um, but he had. But he has to be. Uh, he's a star in Ontario. But he has um, He has like a kind of a, sometimes a southern accent. Gene Hackman. Yeah. Right. You need a park ranger. You need somebody. To, it's 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 a it's a small part. But if yeah. you have somebody that you could put on the poster or put on the video box, right. on the DVD box, that says, "Oh, I remember that guy. He's from that TV show." You give it a chance, right? You yeah. just. I think I think that's how marketing of of movies uh, works. Sometimes when they when they choose the cast, is like, if we can just have that name on the on the box or on the poster, yeah. at least they'll have some name recognition because yeah. they can't afford anybody else. But they could afford Nicholas Campbell for for one afternoon. It seemed right. Um, yeah. So swearing. Gore, Nicholas Campbell. Yeah. Um, I guess what, like the setting. Uh, although I guess you do have, yeah, you have same kinds of forests in America. So that's not unique to Canada. Do you think that, do you think it's obvious that they're in a, in a Canadian park? Or do you think it's a generic woods setting? I don't know. I guess like, are, are there, are there those kind of, uh, those kind of lake getaways in the states, like I'm, I'm just thinking Muskoka in in Ontario is a, it seems a, like a pretty unique spot. Mm. I can't think of where that would be. Maybe I, I'm I'm just like in New York State or Massachusetts or the, any of those kinds of similar climates. Are there are there lake destinations? I don't know. Mm. I don't know either. And and uh, well, are there national parks uh -huh. in those parts of America? Yeah. Because the, I don't know that many people really go camping in those in those in like the northeast of the states. I don't know. I like the way that they shot, they shot the park, though. Like I, I felt like they were moving and mm. and uh, continuing the journey through the park. Uh, you know, I didn't feel like they were reusing. Um, right, the right, setting. right. So we usually at this point talk about how many leaves to rate it. Yeah. Is this something you want to continue? Sure. Why not? Is it yeah. okay? Because it's it's kind of. Um, it's kind of inconsequential what we rate it because we've because we talk about it for an hour or more, and uh, hopefully that is. Um, I hope you know we've covered enough to uh, we've said enough to to explain whether we how we feel about a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, I think this one I would have to award it infinite leaves because it's right in the woods. <laughs> yeah, what? But no, no. no. <laughs> Just if we think about the math of that, there are not infinite leaves in the forest <laughs> or leaves or whatever the fuck. There are a finite number of leaves in a forest. That is for sure. But they regenerate. Regenerate. Sure, they, well, they, they fall and then they generate from the trees again. So. Right, but if you cut down all the trees, all the leaves would be gone. Like if there were no trees, there would be no leaves. Oh, right. So, th so, so there are a finite number of them because if you take away the trees, there's no leaves. But if there's no trees, you wouldn't go camping. So without trees, there would be no movie. And if this movie exists because there's trees, it it it, it rates infinite leaves. Okay, I just so so infinity means that you can't count it. That's right. But you can definitely take all the leaves and count them. But there will always be more leaves as long as there's trees. And if there's trees, there'll be campers. 
<laughs> and if there's campers, there's a movie. That's right. And if there's a movie, it is rated infinitely. That's right. Okay. So I, yeah, I get your logic. It's, okay. We'll uh, see it in a textbook someday. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up uh, this discussion of backcountry. Um, have you got anything on your radar to see next? In terms of Canadian movies? Not just any movies. Or, or uh, Canadian movies. Whatever you want to talk about. Well, I got halfway through Itimama Tambien the other night, oh, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Finishing that, because that movie's fucking awesome. Have you watched it before? Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, just, it's about everything. It's inf- it's infinite. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Okay, I would have to, I've got to crack open my Blu-ray. Oh, uh... Um, but it, TIFF's going on right now as well, and um, I've just been reading a bit about Anomalisa, hmm. which is Charlie Kaufman's new project that he co-directed with this animator, so it's all uh, stop motion, and it sounds uh, amazing. Hmm. Like, I really love Charlie Kaufman's movies. What are your thoughts on Synecdoche, New York, just briefly? Synecdoche, New York? Yeah. Oh, that's, that is, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that thing is unlike any other movie. Yeah. Um, I don't have enough leafs to... Um, <laughs> that's an infinite leafer. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, that movie is amazing. Yeah. If it was, uh, if we were on On Cinema at the cinema, we'd give it six bags of popcorn, six bags of soda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which actually, by the way, I wanted to mention that On Cinema at the Cinema is back oh, for right. season seven, and it is fucking awesome. Right. Just like E.T. Mama Tambien. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are... Filmed in Canada.net, and your <laughs> I, I have you to take that. issue with that because we are not a website. We are a podcast called Filmed in Canada. Okay, so yeah, and the the website is Filmed in Canada.net. Okay, well that's that's good to point out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you've said that a few times that we are the website. Oh, we're at. Should I say we're at? Yeah. Okay, we're at Filmed in. <laughs> Our website is whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to Filmed in Canada. The podcast, yeah, and you'll find our other content at filmedincanada.net. Where's your content, Alec? Uh, well, I guess if we ever get around to actually writing anything on that website, it'll be there. And yep. then uh, otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Married to a Fly, and I very rarely tweet anything. So, all right, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talking about we'll be talking about another Canadian movie real soon. All right. <laughs>